You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation 4, we started uh, this chapter and we saw last week, we saw in this chapter, we saw the timing of these events. And we'll talk a lot about timing in the book of Revelation because really that's what a lot of Revelation Revelation is. It is a study of the end times. Uh, The book of Revelation deals a lot with eschatology. That is a study of end times or a study of things to come. And so we read through and studied through the first three chapters and we saw in chapters two and three, we saw the churches and the letters to the churches. But now we shift gears because in chapter 4, it says in verse 1, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. We saw last week, now the timing of this, this is after the church age, and now we're getting into the rapture. Verse number 1, I heard, uh, as it were, the voice uh, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither. So we saw last week, number 1, the timing Uh, Number two, we saw the trumpet. Uh, Trumpets were sounded for important announcements. Trumpets were sounded because of big things that were happening. And this trumpet that will sound hasn't sounded yet. But this trumpet that sounds is going to be the trumpet that calls all of the Christians on planet Earth. It calls us up into the air. The Bible says we will meet the Lord in the air. And uh, what a day that will be. And we, we say, you know, when Jesus comes, I'm sure it's going to be a, a clear, beautiful, sunny day. And that may be true. But this verse says we're going to meet him in the clouds. So I don't know if it's got to be cloudy out when Jesus comes or not. But I know this. We're going to meet Jesus. And we're going to be reunited with our loved ones. And what a day that is going to be. And that's not just a, a brief reunion. That's not just a reunion that'll last for a few days or weeks or months or years, but that's a reunion that will last forever. And I thank God for heaven, and I hope you're listening for the trumpet. We saw that last week, the trumpet. But then we saw last week, number three, we saw the throne. The word throne is found 12 times in these 11 verses in Revelation chapter 4. This, these references to the throne are references to the throne that is in heaven. This is not the throne of a king. This is not the throne of a world ruler. This is the throne of the creator of the universe. Notice with me in chapter 4, verse 2. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in where? It was in heaven. And John sees this throne, it is in heaven, and one, only one, sat on the throne. Verse number three, here's a description of the person that was on the throne. We know that God is on his throne, and we know that the throne represents power. The throne represents sovereignty. The throne represents authority. And I'm glad to tell you tonight that when John saw heaven opened, God was on the throne. And if we were to see heaven open tonight, guess who would still be on the throne? 
the same God with the same power and he is the king and he is Lord forever and ever and of his kingdom and of his dominion there will be no end. He's on the throne. John saw him. There was one that sat upon the throne. Verse 3. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. Now, those, were, those, those gems are significant. These are gems that describe the appearance of God on his throne. The jasper stone is a, a clear gem. The sardis or the sardine stone is a red stone. Both of these stones are found on the breastplate of judgment that the high priest wore. It's recorded in Exodus 28. So as John sees God on the throne and he uses the jasper and the, the sardis stone uh, as descriptions, what John is saying is here is a God on the throne who is set for judgment. You see, in Bible times, think about Solomon. When Solomon was the king, people would come to his throne and they would come for judgment. Well, Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. But can I tell you, Solomon made mistakes. But I'm glad our God that sits on the throne is the righteous judge. He's never made an error in judgment. He knows everything. He sees everything. He never forgets. And so John sees God on the throne and he sees the stones representing the righteous judgment of a holy God. Verse number three. It says, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now, a rainbow in the Bible is a picture of God's mercy. Remember Noah's ark. Remember after the flood. Remember that rainbow that they saw. It was a picture of the fact that God spared Noah and his family. Aren't you glad for a God that's in the saving business? Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? And you say, well, I've never experienced the mercy of God. Well, friend, you could get saved tonight because there is still mercy at the throne of God for you. And this rainbow around the throne is a picture of the mercy of God. You see, the rainbow appeared after the flood. And for God's children around the throne in Revelation chapter 4, after the rapture has taken place, for God's people, the storm is past. The judgment of, of, of God is past. For those that are in heaven at the throne of God, for those that have been raptured out of this earth, this earth is getting ready to experience seven years of judgment. But for God's people, there'll never be another problem. There'll never be another burden. Uh, there will be no more punishment for sin because the punishment has already been placed on Jesus Christ. And as he hung on that cross, he paid in full the penalty for your sin and for mine. Praise God for his mercy. The children of God gathered around the throne, they see that rainbow as a representation of God's mercy. For God's people, the storm is past. But for those that will still be on this earth after the rapture, for those who never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, for those who are left behind, 
we will see in Revelation 5 through Revelation 19, we will see the wrath of God poured out upon this world like no one can ever imagine. It's hard to believe even as you read in Revelation and you read about a third of the earth's population. You read about the rivers being dried up. You, you, you read about the, 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 the fire and you read about uh, the destruction. It's like nothing this world has ever seen. But God's wrath will be poured out upon those who have rejected him during that tribulation. You say, well, pastor, I can't believe that God would do that. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. God doesn't send anybody to hell. Uh, God doesn't punish anybody without providing a way of escape. And that escape is found in Jesus Christ. He is the way to heaven. He is the truth and he is the life. And you don't have to experience the judgment of God. You can experience his mercy if you will receive it. Verse number four, the Bible says, and round about the throne. So let's see uh, who's around the throne. It says there were four and 20 seats. Now, these are not thrones. These are places where people are seated around the throne with the throne in the center. Nothing will ever take the place of Jesus. His throne will never be vacated. God's not going to need your help to sit on the throne to help him out. He's got it covered. But around the throne, there are 24 seats. Notice who's sitting on these seats. It says, I saw four and 20 elders sitting. They were clothed in white raiment. Now the white raiment here signifies the fact that these are people who have been saved. They have been justified. They have been cleansed. They have been washed in the blood of the lamb. And that's exactly who's going to be in heaven. Saved people, people that have been born again, people that have been washed in the blood. Now there's 24 seats. And the Bible does not tell us exactly why there are 24 seats, but many Bible scholars believe it represents the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints. In the Old Testament, you have the 12 tribes of Israel. In the New Testament, you have the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles. Of course, we know that Judas was not saved. He betrayed the Lord and he was not saved. And so in his place, the apostle Paul, God chose him to take that place. But representing the fact that it is saved people from the Old Testament, saved people from the New Testament, it's the saints of all the ages that are gathered around the throne of God. Now you say, well, does that mean there's only going to be 24 people in heaven? No, because the Bible says there is a multitude that no man can number. I think everyone in here can count to 24, so I think it's more than 24. But there will be people in heaven uh, from all ages that have been saved and are in heaven, seated around the throne of God. What a glorious sight that will be. But the Bible says about these 24 elders, they were clothed in white raiment and they had on their heads crowns of gold. I don't think we'll get into this tonight, but we'll see in the weeks to come. We'll see where these crowns come from, what these crowns represent. And uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting study, but it's a very uh, motivating study to see that we are today, we are in a race that God has given us to run and God has promised crowns. He has promised rewards 
for our service for him down here. Now, our, 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 our service is not to earn our way to heaven. Our service is not to do enough good to get saved. Salvation is by grace and grace alone. But our service, what we do for Christ, the Bible says we will be given crowns of reward for our service. And we'll see at the end of this chapter, we've already alluded to it, but we'll see what we do with those crowns. But these elders, 24 elders, are around the throne and they're clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Verse 5. And out of the, the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Now, a couple weeks ago, we were in Psalm 18 on a Sunday night. And we talked about the, the lightning and the thunder and the storms. And we talked about those that represent the power and the judgment of God. And while John sees the heavens opened and he sees the throne Around the throne, he sees the lightning and he, and he sees the, 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 the thunderings and the voices and the power of God on full display. It says in verse number five, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Uh, we see um, verse number uh, five, we see these seven lamps of fire representing the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, can I tell you, what, a, what an amazing thing that must have been for John to see the throne of God. Now hang on, we're getting somewhere. But that throne represents the holiness of God. That throne represents the glory of God. That throne represents the sovereignty. It represents the power of God. And John sees all of that. Verse 6. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne there were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Wow. Try to, try to even imagine that. Try to picture that. And this is what John sees around the throne. Verse 8. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And here's what they're doing. They rest not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. The sea of glass that John saw was like crystal. It was, it was clear. Uh, I don't know if you, if you saw it on the video Sunday night, but uh, Jerry showed a video of them baptizing in a lake. And I asked Jerry after that, I said, Jerry, I said, are all the lakes that clear there in Africa? I mean, it was crystal clear. And he said, well, no, not all of them, but that one is. But can you imagine in heaven? Can you imagine the beauty that will be in heaven? I think there's some beautiful places down here on this earth. But this earth is, is a fallen, sinful, cursed place because of sin. But can you imagine the beauty of heaven? John just says there was a crystal sea. Clear crystal, pure crystal in front of the throne. And he describes the, the, the beasts that were there. These beasts, I want you to uh, hold your place in Revelation 4. And I want you to turn with me, please, to the book of Ezekiel. I want us to look at these beasts. And 
what are these beasts? Who are these beasts? What is their purpose? The book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, Ezekiel uh, chapter 1, and beginning in verse number 4. It says that I looked, and if you're still turning the pages, that's okay. I've got a few verses I'm going to read, so I think you'll catch up with me. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 4, Ezekiel says, I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself, and brightness was about it, out of the midst thereof as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. And also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Everyone had four faces. Everyone had four wings. Their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like the color of burnished brass. And they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides, and they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went everyone straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces... They four had the face of a man, the face of a lion on the right side. They four had the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. And their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another, and two covered their bodies. And they went every one straight forward. Whither the spirit was to go, they went. And they turned not when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire. And like the appearance of lamps, it went up and down among the living creatures and the fire was bright and out of the fire went forth lightning and the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. So we see a similar description in the book of Ezekiel that we see in Revelation 4 about these creatures. Now look with me at Ezekiel chapter 10. Ezekiel chapter 10. And verse number 20, we want to see what the Bible says about these creatures. Who are these creatures? It says in verse number 20 of Ezekiel 10, This is the living creature that I saw under the God of Israel by the river of Chebar, and I knew that they were the what? The cherubims. So here we have the angels. A, a cherub would be one cherubims is, or cherubim would be plural. And so Ezekiel says, these are the cherubims. Everyone had four faces. Everyone had four wings. The likeness of the hands of a man was under their wings. The likeness of their faces was the same faces, which I saw by the river of Chebar, their appearance and themselves. They went everyone straight forward. So here we see the cherubims. Now turn with me, if you would, to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter six. We see these Creatures, living creatures in Revelation 4. And we believe that some of these creatures are the cherubims, which by the way, I won't have you turn there, but the cherubims are also found in Genesis. They were the ones that were positioned with flaming swords to guard the, the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sinned and after they were banished. Those cherubims stood there on guard to keep Adam and Eve from getting back into the Garden of Eden. We also see the cherubims um, in the book of Exodus that there were uh, cherubims that were formed out of metal and they were placed over the mercy seat 
in the Holy of Holies. So here we see again the cherubims uh, uh, represented as being over the mercy seat. Genesis 3, they were protecting the Garden of Eden. And then in um, Ezekiel, we see their descriptions with the faces and the wings and all of that. Then we get to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, and I want you to notice with me in verse number 1. It says, It was in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a what? A throne. Oh, this is interesting. So John sees a door open in heaven, and he sees the throne in heaven, and he sees these creatures. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord, and he was sitting upon a throne. He was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and above it stood the seraphims. Now, this is a different kind of angel. There are the cherubims, and there are the seraphims. Notice the description of the seraphims. Each one had six wings, same as Revelation 4. And the, with twain, with two, he covered his face. With twain, he covered his feet. With twain, he did fly. Verse number six. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth. And said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. So we see the descriptions from Revelation 4 are very similar to the descriptions of the seraphims in Isaiah 6 and the cherubims in Ezekiel. Now notice in verse number 8, go back with me if you would to Revelation 4. Notice in verse 8, what are these creatures, what are these angels doing? All day, every day, without rest. They are praising God. They are worshiping God. They are crying out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. These beasts, these creatures, these angels are giving glory and honor and thanks to God. Now, I understand that these angels are created beings. I understand that's their assignment. That's their job. But you know the difference between an angel and a human being? I'm glad we don't look like those angels. That'd be pretty scary, right? We certainly don't have the power of those angels. But we have something that the angels don't have. We have the opportunity to have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, hang on. We're going somewhere. We're talking about the throne, right? That's what John sees. And I think so many times, Christians, we think, wow, that's going to be amazing when we get to the throne. Wow, that's going to be such an amazing sight to see the throne. But hang on. What does the book of Hebrews say? The book of Hebrews tells us right now that we are to come boldly unto the what? The throne of grace. Wait a second. You mean we don't have to wait to heaven to see the throne? We don't have to wait to heaven to go before the throne? No. You don't have to wait. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't wait. If you never go before the throne of God, you are wasting the greatest privilege that you have as a Christian, and that is the privilege of prayer. Now, hang on. Approaching the throne of God, we have been given access. We have been given permission. Turn back with me, if you would, to the book of Esther. The book of Esther. That is right before Job and Psalms. You find the book of Esther. Notice Esther and chapter 4. 
You know this story, but this is a part of the story that I don't think we usually focus on a lot. But in Esther chapter 4, verse number 8, Mordecai calls to Esther, who is in the palace. She's the queen. And Mordecai says, Esther, you need to talk to the king because Haman's got a plot and he's got the king to sign this decree that they're going to kill all the Jews if somebody doesn't do something. You remember that story? Shake your head if you know that story, okay? I won't get into all that, but you know that story. So Mordecai says, Esther, get in there. Talk to the king. Do something about it. Verse 8. Also, he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther and to declare it unto her and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make request before him for her people. Mordecai said, Esther, go talk to the king. Uh-oh. But notice verse number 10. And Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called. Anybody who is not called by the king to come, there is one law of his to put him to death except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live, but I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. That's why in Esther chapter 4 and verse 16, she said, hey, uh, uh, Mordecai, get your guys together, start praying, start fasting. She said, I'm going into the king, and if I perish, I perish. Remember that? Here's why. Because she said, I want to go to the king, but I haven't gotten permission. Can I tell you as Christians, many of us don't want to go into the king and we've already been given permission. We have been given permission and we have been given a command to come boldly to the throne of grace. We've been given a command, call unto me, God says, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. We've got the opportunity to go to the king, and we don't. And here we see Esther going to an earthly king. She didn't even have permission to go, but she said, I will risk my life because I need something from the king. Now, I'm going to wrap this up here real quick for tonight about the throne. Number one, I want to say the throne represents the holiness of God. And you know what that means? As we approach the throne, we must be holy. As we approach the throne of God, we are commanded to confess our sins. We're commanded uh, to, to, to not have any sin between us and God because that sin separates us from God. So to go to a holy throne, we need to be a holy people. But the throne also represents worship. These angels that are before the throne, what are they doing? Holy Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. They are praising and worshiping God. Do you recognize uh, this verse, Psalm 100? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. 
How do you come into the presence of God? Singing and praising. Uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. God before his throne is holy and God wants his people to be holy as we approach the throne. God in his throne is worthy of worship. The angels are worshiping God. God wants us to come before that throne to worship him. But then I see this. The throne represents prayer. The throne of grace in Hebrews chapter 4 is a place where we can come. And the Bible says this. Turn with me to Hebrews 4. I want you to see it and uh, we'll close with this thought. Hebrews chapter 4. The Bible says, let us therefore come boldly. You know what that means? You don't have to tiptoe in. You don't have to sneak in. You don't have to wonder, oh no, I wonder if God is going to hear my prayer. No, he wants you to pray to him. He wants you to come boldly. How can you come boldly before the throne? Because you are his child. Because he's not just the king, he is your father. He loves you, he cares about you. Uh, he, he, he's more concerned about you than you are about yourself. So he says, let us come boldly into the throne of grace, Hebrews 4. Verse number 16, that we may obtain mercy. That word obtain, it means when you go to the throne of grace, you ought to go to the throne expecting to get something. You know what that's called? That's called faith. That's called confidence. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he Heareth us. When you go before the throne of God, you can go boldly and you can go expecting an answer to that prayer. To obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Oh, how we need to get to the throne. John said, I saw the throne. I, I saw uh, the, 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 the angels. I saw the, the lightning. I saw the thunder. I saw the crystal sea. I saw all of those things. Well, can I tell you, you and I, we've not been to heaven yet, but we've already been given access to the throne of God. And what a privilege we have. What an opportunity we have to come before the throne. Now, here's how I'm going to close tonight. I'm going to say this. I'm not going to ask you if you have a need because I already know the answer to that question. We all have needs. So why is it that we keep the need to ourselves and we never go to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need? I want to tell you, there's a whole lot of mercy that's available. There's a whole lot of grace. There's a whole lot of help that is available but you got to go to the throne of God. He is given you permission. He has given you access to his throne. I hope we'll approach that throne this week. I hope we'll get alone with God. I hope we'll worship him. I hope we'll, we'll spend some time getting right with him to make sure that there is a heart that is clean, a heart that is right with God. And then I hope we'll come before that throne with a prayer a prayer that we come boldly with confidence and we expect that God will answer. I don't know what your prayer is. I know you have prayers. I know you have needs. 
And I don't know how your prayer will be answered. I don't know how God will answer it. But I know this. Your prayer is not too big for God. Your need is not too big for God. He is on the throne. And he has the power to meet your need and to give you grace to help in your time of need. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.